You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Championships. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. tradition the past present and future the alabama crimson tide that's where martin houston who hosts the martin houston show mornings beginning at 6 a.m here on tide 100.9 and myself we continue this one hour uh tuesday evening talking and a lot of conversation happening we are at celebrate local celebrate local here in in tuscaloosa in this community when we talk about uh this and uh, we have a chance to uh, celebrate celebrate local uh, as we uh, celebrate Tuscaloosa and having a chance to look at all the different activities, a lot of different festivities, a lot of things that uh, the topics of conversation. And Martin Houston, it's good to talk to you. It's live on location. We don't get a chance to do that often. Yeah, and I, I really enjoy going live and being out. But you know, when you six to seven in the morning. Not a lot of businesses open at that time, and not a lot of people want you to be in their business screaming and yelling, talking out about football, but uh, I love to do it, and glad we have an opportunity to do this. It's a really neat event that's happening here, Ryan. Uh, you know, I, I got a couple of people I've seen out there that's, like, really, like, launching their business, you know, like sure. young entrepreneurs. And, uh, and and what a cool way to be a part of. Hey, what's the seeing uh, what's the flavor over here, Cross? Because see, I have it. Fave. Okay, when I only get like three minutes, I gotta make it like I gotta have a a a a, a game plan. Like I, I gotta look at it, go get it, come back, and and eat it on the way back. So I didn't get a chance to stop over there, but uh, you know, if, as we continue here, maybe we can get a couple of minutes, but. Uh, the sauces and the different flavors, that's what it costs from you. It, it, it's actually Fave, uh, F-A-V, um, and uh, that's Dentrell Robinson. He's a friend. That's one of the guys I was just talking about, and he has, like, three sauces that he had here. He has several different ones, but he has uh, the ones with the habanero and – but but so but, is, but is he, he had the verde. Yes, he's local. Um, okay, is he, he, okay, okay. So I know we're always about connections. Yeah, you gotta. I'm gonna get him to come up here right, in a second. You, yeah, you gotta loop him around and put him with Mark Smart. I already did. Okay, I, I literally did. Ryan, j- it just happened. I went to Mark Smart and I uh, Mark Smart and I said, "Man, you have got to go over here." And, and I and also hooked him up with Giovanni across <laughs> across the, the way. We're, we're all about the inner workings. Oh, man, I mean, but it's about team. It's about partnership. Sure. It's a, it's about putting putting the right people and, and, and right things together. So, uh, but I did. I just I literally had uh, Jacob come around and, and talk to him and said, "Man, you need to have this in your store." Well, yeah, because when you go in, Mark Smart, one of the things that they do. Is they specializing, uh, whether we're talking about that cheesecake that's, you know, at Southern Ale House and 
they 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 do those things in house. Anyway, so you go in and it's all the Alabama products, things you didn't even know that you were at Alabama. So uh, there's many different places here, and I see Alabama ones over there throwing around the cash. Man, you guys got plenty of it. I see. Yeah, we you know we we've had our it's it's a really a fun thing. Uh, it's a cash machine. Alabama one, Alabama one uh, insurance. We were here today and. Uh, you know, you, you had a chance to win a swag bag. If you and you still have a chance, we're here till right. seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Uh, so come on out. And at a the lot river, of the river. drawings, a lot of the places do have a lot of giveaways. Yeah, and we have a giveaway. You just register there, uh, and then uh, you can also register to get, you know, get in the cash machine uh, for a free quote. You can get in there and win some cash. Uh, and if you've never done a cash machine, it's a lot of fun. And you know, money's flying everywhere, and you're trying to grab it out the air and. The secret people think is to grab. Okay. But when you grab, your air, your hand is going to push the money away. So it's really about, you know. It's I a can't strategy. I, there's a strategy to it. I better not give it away. Somebody might come over here and take all the money out. But, okay. So but that's there's a, a strategy to it. That's available until 7 o'clock. And Martin's team uh, from Alabama won. So you got a lot of different things, a lot of different activities. But, uh, you know, Tuscaloosa, I, I said this earlier. And you and I are, are both from North Alabama. We, we're from this area, but it's, it's like we, we set up shop. You know, you come to Tuscaloosa, and I, I bet I'd say 50% of the Tuscaloosa population ends up the same way that we do. We come here, <laughs> and we adopt Tuscaloosa. And, and so Yeah, and stay. And stay. Yes. And, 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 and several of the people that you see out here, that's kind of how they're, they're here as well and fell in love with it. And, you know, it, Tuscaloosa is a good city. Uh, you know, we have our flaws and our detractions, but we have a chance to continue to get better. But it's really a good city and a lot of fun. It is, and we do invite people to come by and come by, say hello. There are a lot of people picking up. You still got about 54 minutes. Celebrate local in the chamber, inviting us out, and we appreciate the invitation from Jim Page and all the guys here. Uh, for inviting us out. So we had a lot of fun and a lot of conversation here. Yesterday, the NCAA, uh, woo, how would you like to be those guys? You know, I opened the show, and this is what I said. I said, in 2002, Thomas Yeager stood in front of a podium in the Bryant Conference Center and said, you're looking down the barrel with a gun, Alabama. We almost shut you down. They, they said that we'd, nobody would come as close to the death penalty. But then we kind of learned that there was some bias in that. And I've often thought if you let your competitors judge you, is that really fair? I, yeah. mean, I mean, that's what they do, right? They get right. different people from different committees to make up. And so I said, you're looking down the barrel of the gun. I said, NCAA? You're looking down the barrel. You are looking down the barrel of the gun. I'm not sure if they're looking down it. Right. Or they put the closing <laughs> sign on the door. Yeah. Um, uh, Judge Kavanaugh's words, man, are – they were they were they were strong. I mean, he he, with his words, Ryan. He didn't just make a judgment and a ruling on, on what was before him educational benefits. When he went, they no other no Ryan, no other business in the entire United States of America could get away with what they have gotten away with, and they're hiding behind. We want to keep an amateur. And he, so he pretty much called him out and said, you are not above the law. They weren't even, this wasn't even about pay for play. But he set the stage that you, if I'm an attorney right now, 
I'm finding some people to bring that lawsuit because I know that the dissenting judge of the highest court of the land already know how he feel about the NCAA in terms of whether or not their business model is fair to the players. So, okay, so we all came into that meeting, okay, because I talked to a guy who had covered it from day one. Now, if you go back to Ed O'Bannon case, mm-hmm. he covered it from day one there. He also has covered the Austin versus the NCAA case. He told us point blank. He said, I did not expect. He said, I thought they would side with the NCAA slightly in a five-to-four type vote. He said the message that they sent is there is no borders on name, image, and likeness. Right. He, he said that there is none. That there is no bumper pads. He said, and, and I don't think it would be wise – for some of these commissioners and these athletic directors to try to put restrictions. Yeah, because that's what a lot of people, we didn't get to that on my show this morning. The, the, the conferences still have the ability to put some limitations on educational benefits. And I, I, I kind of broke it down, Ryan. Name, image, likeness, educational benefits, and pay for play. Three separate things. One is about the educational experience, and, and there's some pretty, you know, Things, computers and internships and studying abroad and postgraduate work and several other things that go with that, okay? That is, that's huge. Name, image, and likeness is about branding. Sure. I'm, and, and, and as much as you know I want the players to be right, I'm not ready for pay for play. I, I, I think that will fundamentally change not football. Football's going to be fine if they go to a pay for play. But there will be less less schools. There'll be less women's sports and less male sports. At at, at numerous colleges, their programs will go away. Um, and and with that, I don't want that to happen because man, thank God, Ryan, for a scholarship, athletic scholarship. You know that's how I I I, I am partly who I am because there was a scholarship available. And, and my son is getting ready to go to Mississippi College, and that's because of there's, you know, some money there. And, and, and so I'm not – pay for play changes that. But I am for you making a brand and you giving me you giving me every opportunity that the everyday student has. There's, there should be no difference on a scholarship player – I mean, a scholarship football player and a scholarship um, – Guitar player, I mean, um, drummer uh, m- or mu- music, mu- yeah, music yeah. major or whatever. Right. Anybody, whatever they get, I should get. Whatever they're allowed to do, I should. You should not be able to put limitations and restrictions on me uh, because I play a sport. Well, and I don't even know. And, and and Martin, you were telling me a story yesterday. We had lunch over at Southern L House, and uh, your son Simeon joined us. And and I think the story that you explained, and n- not that you you want to go too much in the in the personal side of story. Um, but just, I don't think people truly understand that. L- let's say that Bryce Young wanted to go get a job. Well, he has to go and get clearance for that job, and then that particular employee, I believe, has to run the money through the compliance and then back out. So, in other words, and it's set up for people like Auburn. Okay, I mean, I'm just I'm putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> LSU, we're looking at you. Sorry, Kendall. Uh, 
Kirby, <laughs> this one's for you. But anyway, but but we, we have to do those things. So you set it up. So I don't think people realize that these athletes can no, cannot go get a job unless they have to go through another department to get a job. Yes, there's so, and there's so many restrictions around it and so many guidelines around it. To me is, why, why do you get to spend my money? <laughs> NCAA, I don't tell you how to spend what you bring in as a nonprofit, so how can you tell me that it's wrong for me to give a young man a job? You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, 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 and so if I want to give him a job, because I'm taking a chance. And think about this. And I, I talked to a business owner yesterday, Ryan. I talked to a business owner, and he said, Martin, he said he, he has five locations. And he said, you know, a lot of people are worried about the money and, 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 and local people paying and stuff like that. He said, but, you know, if I still all of a sudden start bringing a football player in and he doesn't work, and he doesn't do, and I'm giving him. He said, I'm going to have to deal with all my other employees. <laughs> he, said, he said, so I'm going to create my own version of a headache if I, if I just all of a sudden start giving to the other, you know, um, just giving it to someone. Sure. And so I, I, I thought about that, and I was like, you know, that's right. But if a guy's willing to take that headache, that's his money. But, Martin – there's got to be some type, and I'm not. I don't. I don't have all the answers, and maybe that's the problem with the NCA. They they don't have them either, and so they've just been kicking this tire down the down the curb. When you look at it, and I, I know I was joking by saying Auburn and LSU and Kirby, but don't we have to have some type of governing body? Because you know what will happen if we created this name image and likeness. People will stretch it out, stretch it out, stretch it out, or do we just say? Do all you can do if, if, you know, if Alabama can get you more in name, image, and likeness than USC, then go to Alabama. Well, do we need some type of governing body to legislate some of this, or do you think it comes individually from the school? Uh, I think it would be wise for the NCAA to immediately reverse course and say we're all behind name, image, and likeness. And, and, and uh, the only thing that they have very limited – Instruction, I think it's important that they limit. There are some limitations around what types of businesses you allow these athletes. If it's, if it's contrary to the image of the school, uh, then that school should be able to limit you doing that. You know what I mean? If the University of Alabama can't go out and support this type of company as a sponsorship, then the player should not be able because that player is still – his name, image, and likeness only exists because he's a part of that program. And so that program should have some say-so say so in what that, that represents. Just like Alabama 1 doesn't own Martin Houston. But as my commitment to Alabama 1, Ryan, there are certain things that I cannot do. Sure. And, 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 and my CEO is clear about those things. But, you know, the way I think of, there needs to be a, a box of – you can do everything but this. Instead of you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Like, like, like everything is, is, is free game except and have just a the few exceptions. And I think that part needs to be governed uh, so there's consistency with the school, the program, and across the country. 
That's Martin Houston. We'll continue. We're going to talk about this and a lot more. I may tie you into the conversation. We're talking about underappreciated player earlier. Had a lot of fun uh, kind of looking at some guys that maybe uh, don't get the credit during this Nick Saban run. We'll talk about that and a lot more. A lot of headlines. A busy summer here. That's Martin Houston. I'm Ryan Fellow. This is Alabama tradition. The past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. I want to get you are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuscaloosa Tide, 100.9. Alabama Crimson Tide football uh, here in Tuscaloosa. And, and we'll also welcome you into Alabama tradition. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, Martin, I struggle with technology, okay? Yeah. All right, I had you on the favorite list. It took you off the favorite list and put a number on here. Um, I have no idea where that number is. That's not my number. I thought it was your old number. No, never had that one. I, I'm ready to go back to my iPhone 6. <laughs> I'm, ready to go back. I'm ready to get back to the iPhone 6. If I have not responded to your call or your text. It's because he's technologically challenged. Well, I mean, you know that from all the technology you do with all these live streams. But uh, the, the only people that can get a hold of me is those warranty people, the auto warranty. You ever get those calls? I get one a day. One a day. They I, want to sell me an auto warranty. You must have signed up somewhere and you got sent to somebody sent you to every and today, auto warranty. Today, list okay. Out there. I kid you not, okay. Uh look right here. Today it came in as Tyson Foods. Oh. Look, look, look right there. Look look right there. What does it say? Tyson Foods. I answered it. It's the warranty lady again. She's going, hey, you're going to buy this. I don't want an auto warranty. And anyway, so we're right. Anyway, celebrate local uh, as <laughs> we are uh, discussing here. We welcome you right back to the game, Alab. There it is again. I put another dollar in the jar. Uh, it is Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Curbside Tide. Martin, underappreciated player at Alabama, most under. Appreciate it in this Nick Saban era. We had a lot of votes. Um, stay on the offense, then we'll go to defense. But underappreciated player, my player was Kevin Norwood. Doesn't get a lot of recognition, but I'm not sure if we win some of the championships. Uh, we don't. We don't beat LSU down there. Uh, didn't he have a good Auburn game? He did. Yeah, big uh, Auburn game. Yep. And then he had a big national championship game, right? Wouldn't that be the three toughest games you had that year? It would have been. And, 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 he, and he was big in the biggest three games. Um, 
He would be he'd be one that it'd be awful hard to argue against. Um, I did hear someone say Blake Sims uh, in terms of you know appreciation, not recognition, but appreciation. Um, and based on which crowd you talk to, I heard someone say Jalen Hurts. Um, even though Jalen, a lot of people love Jalen in Alabama. But, but do you feel he like he's underappreciated? That's what I'm saying. That's, that's why I said it's based on who you who you talk to. Um, but um, y'all may be hearing a, hear, hear, hearing some uh, audio there. Uh, we're at Celebrate Local, and they're giving away to get some stuff. You should have been down here. But but anyway, um, I would I would be hard hard pressed to go against Kevin Norwood. I mean, so, I can't think of anybody else. Well, Blake Sims was a guy. I mean, came in as an athlete, tight end, running back, wide receiver. Made him a quarterback, and he was a record holder when he left. Yeah, and. I, you know, I and, and sometimes I got to make sure I don't get over underutilized versus underappreciated versus. Well, now you know, somebody brought in Michael Nyswander. Yeah. As a guy that, you know, I mean, no, fullback. I, no, no, Fowler would be. No, that's what I was saying. Oh, Jalston. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about Jalston, oh, maybe my a guy. Um, Another guy. Yeah, and, and the same thing I think with maybe um, Leron McLean and Tim Tim Cast. Well. They were did one of them, did they get to Saban or they were no they were Shula weren't they? Did either one of them get to Saban's last year? I don't think so. Underappreciated, not necessarily by the fans, but maybe we, from we, we call it we call him Nudie. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know anything about the, the nickname, how those develop, but uh, he's heavens. I mean, he's decent football player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I can't give too much love to the uh, former fullbacks slash tailbacks slash athletes. Well, and fullback best athlete on the field. I'm just telling you. He's a guard. He's a guard. He's pulling, pulling guard. You know, he's H back, flash tight end. He, he's a tailback. I mean, all right. So, <laughs> so we're we're gonna wrap it up here as uh, we will get back to celebrate local. That's Martin Houston, and so we'll end here with Alabama tradition, and uh, we'll get back to one interview. Uh, we did a start, and then we're going to get out of here and have uh, uh, right over there. We'll, we'll be over waiting for you. And we're still giving a prize, even though the chamber is wrapping up their stuff. We're still going to be giving We'll away. be willing at 7 o'clock. Yeah. We might put the tent down, but. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrate local. Shop the best of West Alabama, and it's a lot of fun to be able to come in and and have some fun here. Appreciate the invitation. I know we've had a lot of fun out here meeting a lot of different folks. And uh media. We'll see you guys tomorrow at two o'clock. We'll see you at 100.9. Generals gathered in their masses. Just like witches at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's
construction. Goals are worth chasing, and every step along the way is worth celebrating. From your hopes for the future to the challenges that keep you up at night, we're here for you. Bryant Bankers put care into action to help you live legendary by stepping up when you need us most and doing what's right even when no one is watching. Come experience a local bank whose people greet you by name and treat you like family. Bryant Bank, member F Avenue. It's also you having fun. Have some fun, man. Talking Alabama Crimson Tide football on Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Dennis Dodd uh, put together something that has been brought up by many of you. Uh, I know uh, a couple days ago, David down in Tampa called us and wanted to talk about inside Nick Saban's coaching rehab. And I thought it was a really unique piece. It was a three-part series, CBSSports.com. Uh, Dennis Dodd, senior college football writer, analyst. Uh, Dennis, I hope you're having a terrific afternoon. Welcome into the game in Tuscaloosa. I am, Ryan. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good. You know, you, you went on vacation, and then we have all the uh, the news breaks out around college football. How did you stay away from uh, uh, the news of the of the day in college football? Well, I was back yesterday when the Supreme Court issued its uh, its that college sports is really twelve months a year. Football, everything else, you can't. You're going to miss something if you take time off. You just have to pick your spot. Sure. Well, I, I went on vacation a couple of weeks ago, and I think there were six players that went into the transfer portal uh, from the Alabama. <laughs> so it's like, uh, don't take a vacation. I guess we'll have to plan a different time around the transfer portal. But let, let's start with the Supreme Court, and then we'll work our way uh, to the headlines and, and talking about Nick Saban's coaching rehab and the three-part series that you did. You, just your biggest takeaway from the Supreme Court's ruling yesterday, 9 to nothing. I'm sorry, you broke up my thoughts on it? Yeah, just your thoughts on, on the Supreme Court and, and, and their ruling. Yeah, uh, I think it was a shocker. I, I don't think it was a shock that they ruled that way. It was a shock that it was nine to nothing, and these justices were lined up behind each other ready to take a shot at the NCAA for their, I guess, you know, antitrust collusion, collaborative efforts, and restraining income and benefits from these players uh i've never seen it before i've never seen nine to nothing and it will go down as maybe the most significant day in ncaa history because what comes from this is going to be historic and monumental um you know we're, we're trying to get through nil in the next two weeks let's say that comes to pass which it will in some form then what happens um so it, it, it was amazing. It, uh, I urge everyone to go read it. It's easily accessible, 45 pages. Pay attention to uh, <laughs> Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who, who loaded up both, both barrels and took a shot. Well, Dennis, you, we've talked about this on a lot of different occasions. When you look at the NCA, has the sport of college football, and you could even include basketball uh, in the sport, has it outgrown the governing body of the NCA? Oh, I think it 
it did the moment in 1984 when the Supreme Court deregulated um, college football television in, in border regions versus the NCAA. You can tie a direct line from that to what happened yesterday. That created eventually a pile of money so big that it couldn't be ignored. Uh, especially by lawyers who saw big fat payday and a 30% fee if they sued the NCAA. Um, you know, the conferences got paid, it caused conference realignment, but I think the pile of money got so big and so unregulated that here we are today. I mean, if, you know, if it's 1966 and we're watching Michigan State play Notre Dame and tie 10-10, are we even having this discussion? No, because it would have been only for one of two or three games on at all that day. Now, it's 12 to midnight, we know what those light speeds are, how huge they are. The CFP has sprung up as its own separate entity, its own company. It's going to be worth a billion dollars a year here pretty soon. So that's, that's why we're here. Um, and the player's not getting much of it. Dennis, I, I know you've already mentioned this, but out of everything that came out with the Supreme Court, tying all the, the name, image, and likeness, are we working our way to pay versus play? And I'm not talking about a yearly salary, but are, are we working our way to maybe not just money from name, image, and likeness, but some of the universities having to cough up some of the profits that they're able to make? Oh, we're way beyond that. I keep telling you. I keep writing it. I keep telling it. I don't know if the people are listening. It's, it's only a question of five figures now becoming six figures or, or more. Because what are bowl gifts, Brian? They are nothing more than pay for play. And sooner or later, somebody's going to sue that those are capped by the NCAA at $550. And that will go up. What is cost of attendance? Well, you only get that if you're an athlete. That's pay for play to me. I know it's an educational stipend, but the, the NCAA just got done fighting and losing a case where they wouldn't give kids a laptop to continue their education. So pay for play is already there. It just becomes a question of who you're paying for. And as I wrote yesterday after the Supreme Court decision, the amateurism model, whatever it is, or whatever it had become, is dead. Because whatever the NCAA puts out there in, uh, in NIL is going to be subject to some lawsuit, antitrust lawsuit, sooner or later. Because that's all they've done the last 10 or 15 years. They can't be protected. And I, I just off the phone with a stakeholder in this. Uh, he thinks there will be no protection from Congress because of the rebuke from the Supreme Court and how decisive it was, the thinking being, why does the NCAA deserve this, this protection, antitrust exemption, especially with the NCAA asking for protection from all past athletes and lawsuits? Ryan, I ask you, isn't every lawsuit retroactive to something happening? A divorce? Uh, somebody doing something to you? And that's what they're asking for, that these athletes who didn't get NIL can't do that. So I think they're in dire trouble. Dennis Dodd, senior college football writer, CBSSports.com. So, Dennis, I, I think you would agree that we do need some type of governing body What's the solution to monitor all of this? Because, you know, we're talking about a program like Arizona State uh, with, with basic COVID restrictions. 
coaches are going to walk into the gray area and many times they're going to cross over that line. How do we govern that to make sure that uh, there's no cheating and, and I guess, uh, you know, other things uh, of consequences going on? How, how do we monitor that? What do we create? The, the assumption is we're, we're stopping it now, which we aren't, with a formal enforcement process in place. Um, so I, I, I'm almost at the point, Ryan, where give them whatever they want. Now, is, is what Arizona State and Tennessee allegedly doing wrong? Yeah. Um, there will probably be somebody, body, not a uh, person, but a governing body to address that in the future. Uh, and it might be the NCAA. I just I made the point yesterday. I think look, they they do about three things right now, following Monday's decision. They have any eligibility. They do enforcement. We can argue about those, and they have a heck of a party every March. Everything else is equal. So the NCAA from here on becomes kind of this fly on the wall observer, but no real control over what what goes on. And I think what you're seeing in NIL right now is there's a group of conferences that have an alternate proposal that's being discussed right now to get past any legal liability uh, because they think what the NCA has sat on for six months is right for a lawsuit based on yesterday. So don't say all, none of that's true. Uh, there's always going to be cheating. There's, there just always is. NIL isn't going to fix a vast black market underground for players that exist. That, that's just not going to happen. Um, and in fact, the critics of it say it may increase it because you can have these companies trying to steer recruits places. That just to be determined. But I, I think all that's details. I mean, that's, that's going on now. Whatever happens in the future isn't necessarily going to solve it. Dennis, I, I, I didn't get you on to talk all about the NCA because I wanted to highlight something that's been brought Good. up about the Nick Saban uh, coaching rehab. Uh, and, and I want to dive a little deeper into this. Um, biggest takeaway for you, because I learned a little bit about Nick Saban uh, from these coaches. What was your biggest takeaway as you're interviewing and conducting uh, research to prepare for this three-part series on CBSSports.com and the Nick Saban coaching rehab? What did you learn? What's the biggest takeaway? Uh, I learned that it goes both ways. I know the benefits that the coaches have gotten from from coaching at Oklahoma, but what I was able to discover is that there's a method to the Knicks madness here. And I go back to Scott Pioli, who I talked to about Phil O'Brien, and he said, Al, Al Davis did this. He would interview 10 guys and take notes, at least mental notes, on each one of those interviews before he hired one guy. So he was getting something. He was getting information. He was getting strategy that, that could always help his team win. And I think that's what Nick Saban's gotten out of this. I mean, who knows? He reportedly almost got Hugh Freeze. I wonder how those interviews went. I bet Nick asked sure. most of the questions. Um, when, uh, you know, think about all the guys he's hired. Think about all the guys he's interviewed. And there's a quote in there from Kevin Steele who said flat out that these interviews are, you know, Nick gets 90% of the benefit and the interviewee gets 10. Because Nick is just stocking his, uh, his knowledge of what he needs to win football games. Hey, how do you do this? How do you do this? And these people that are interviewed admit it. You know, that, that's what he does. So that, there's a message to this man. That's, I'm not saying he's the only one. I suspect a lot of coaches and employers do this. But that's the reason he can bring in the best and brightest and then hire some of them. 
Well, it, it, it's kind of fun to maybe see, um, I don't want to say softer side, but a more human element to Nick Saban because he reaches out to a lot of these guys that in this coaching business uh, is tough. I mean, you get fired. I mean, if you're going to stay in this business long enough, you're probably going to get fired. Uh, but did it allow you to see maybe a different side of Nick Saban? I, I know it's there, but it's often never seen from us on the outside, uh, that Nick Saban kind of wrapping his arms around him and, and embracing uh, coaches to maybe come into a part of his system. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian said this unsolicited. He's one of the more most passionate, compassionate human beings I've ever met. And I thought that was interesting. You know, he went there. I, I didn't ask about that. Um, and we all know Stark's story at Alabama, but they had a relationship dating back to 2009 when for some reason, Stark doesn't remember the details, and neither does Nick. They were in an RV together waiting to go on uh, game day. Uh, you know, one of those portable green rooms. And they started talking and exchanged ideas and, you know, decided to stay in touch. Well, what was that, seven years later when Stark was out of the job, he, on his own, had visited uh, campuses during the spring, as, as fired coaches will do to stay close to the game. And, and Lane was the first one to approach him, said, hey, why don't you come be an analyst? And he said, well, I, I can't. I've already... You know, I've already dedicated myself to Fox being an analyst this season. You know, he was he was going to be the Urban Meyer there. Uh, and Nick said, Nick Abbott talk, talking to him. Now said, "Come on in. You can be an analyst." He agreed to take uh, you know whatever it was, twenty nine thousand dollars. And all Sark said was, "I'll do it, but I can't do the first game." And you remember what that first game was? It was the USC. But neither of them thought that was a good idea. The optics of USC's fired coach, even if he wasn't out, contributing against USC in that first game. So he came in the second game, and away they went. There's something else there. And Sark didn't go deep on it, but he did admit it was there. He was one of the more compassionate people he'd ever met. Well, that's where I was going with that uh, when you look at Nick Saban. I mean, that was something that kind of jumped off at us, and we discussed it uh, here last week. But you, you also look at you know, coaching's personalities to be the uh, the chief of in charge, and then you have to now be a lieutenant under uh, the chief that is Nick Saban. Did, did any of the coaches talk about how difficult that is, you know, being a former head coach and now becoming a, a lieutenant under a, a different type of system? Coach Jones loved it. He, he took to it right away. And he's worn so many hats there. And stuff I didn't know, he was allowed to recruit when they were down a coach. You know, maybe somebody was out or sick or, you know, couldn't go out. He could be elevated and go out and recruit. He was allowed on the sidelines. He became special assistant to uh, to Nick his last year, last year. And he, he ate it up completely. He looked at it as a tutorial and a way to get back into the game. Um, I think these other guys did too. Do you have to subjugate your ego? You absolutely have to. You absolutely have to. But, you know, in the day, it's at Alabama. And you're learning on the, you know, the guy I called Patient Zero was Mike Rowe in 2009. He'd been fired as the offensive coordinator at Virginia, where his dad was the head coach. Now, his dad didn't fire him. Uh, the AD did, Craig Littlepage, because of nepotism rules. Uh, at the time, but but Mike Groh, even though his dad had a relationship with Nick going back to 92 with the Browns, 
had to pick up the phone and, and ask for a job. And, and he got a GA job. But in, in any other universe, the offensive coordinator at Virginia could find a job as an assistant anywhere. Um, but he chose to go that route. Billy Napier, when he came in, uh, had been fired as Dabo Sweeney's first offensive coordinator. And he said that first year when he was an analyst, he said it was the most enriching year of my career. Uh, I can't I can't replace it. And look where he is now. Probably one of the hottest, if not the hottest coach in the country to take the next step. So, yeah, it's all that. Um, you know, but I, long ago, it became beyond you know, being humbled and sitting there with your hat in hand. You know, I, I think when Lane came in, he pretty much, well, maybe he didn't, but Lane had a chance and he didn't screw it up. He succeeded. Sark succeeded. Now we're to the point where a former NFL coach and general manager is the offensive coordinator. Nobody's blinking. It'll work out because it always has. From Dable to Sark to Lane to everybody to Nussmeyer. It'll work out because it's, you know, and, and maybe Bill O'Brien becomes a college head coach or an NFL coach again. Well, I, I thought the quote that you put in there, uh, Bill knows what he's getting into with Bill O'Brien. And maybe it's a one-year stop. Maybe it's more than that. But uh, two former NFL coaches in Doug Marone and Bill O'Brien, uh, you dedicate uh, some of your time uh, discussing what Bill O'Brien and Alabama have to gain as Nick Saban's coaching have rehab adds to its latest uh, patient. Yeah, it, I, I forgot. You just reminded me one thing. People talk about the coaching turnover, and it doesn't, you know, it goes against the grain. You know, when you have a lot of turnover, that doesn't suggest stability. I counted 47 assistant coaches, on-field assistants for Nick since he started. That's, what, 14, 15 years. And an average of over three a year with a high of six being turned over in either 18 or 19. I think that's the most amazing thing. It's just plug and play there. It doesn't matter if you lose a coordinator or both coordinators or six in a year. They all buy in and they're all successful, and that just traces it back to the head man, to the one guy who leads the whole organization. Do we count these as Nick Saban coaching tree? Like like Bill O'Brien comes in for a year. Uh, let, let's say if we're documenting history, and I'm sure you've been to the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, one of the displays is Coach Bryant's coaching tree. Yeah. It's there uh, with different, you know, different turn things that you kind of adjust and see the impact. Do we count these uh, from a historical approach as Nick Saban's coaching tree? Oh, yeah, there have been five five sort of these rehab guys come off the staff and be head coaches and get second or in the case of Kiffin third chances in the last eight years so yeah you do so yeah so look Stark goes in the same bucket with Kirby even though Kirby you know was coordinator for many many years Stark came in and worked his way up so yeah they're all from the same tree because they've all touched him one one moment or another um, there, there have been, uh, there's another story to be done. They haven't all been widely successful. You know, they may have gotten jobs. Um, one of the most successful is Kurt Signetti, I think the first one, one of the first to lead the fold. And he's, I think he's at JMU, he's at James Madison, which is a national FCS power. But not all of them have been successful, but there have been a lot. 
I invite you to check it out, CBSSports.com, uh, the Nick Saban Coaching Rehab. And uh, if you'll click on Dennis's uh, name, it'll carry you to an, uh, all the articles, the recent articles. You can even track back uh, his opinion on the 12-team uh, college football playoff and how we're quickly going to that. I know they kind of moved that along uh, today or at least kicked the tire down for another couple of days. You can read that college football expansion. Uh, the Nick Saban Coaching Rehab is something – you need to sit down with your iPad and, and, and take a little bit of time to kind of absorb. There's a lot of content. It's not just a quick read. And uh, it's great work, Dennis. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, created a couple of days of conversation here in Tuscaloosa. And we even did it last week. We kind of piggybacked it and talked about uh, who is the best coordinator uh, that Nick Saban has had. And, and so it's been kind of fun to talk about all these guys. And I didn't realize the number was such a large number, but uh, it was kind of fun diving through the articles and kind of learning a little bit more about Nick Saban and the way he goes about things. Well, great, man. I appreciate it and uh, the kind words. And I'll see you in Hoover. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Dennis Dodd, senior college football analyst, writer for CBSSports.com and the coaching rehab side of things. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Well, the showers are gone. Skies are clearing across the area this afternoon. Expecting to top out around 80 for the daytime high. Tonight, partly cloudy skies. The overnight low around 62. It'll be less humid. Tomorrow will be partly cloudy and dry with a daytime high in the middle eight. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa.